welcome to Ivy League Murders. My name is Sarah Alcorn. I'm a Harvard graduate and a private investigator. And my name is Laura Rodriguez McDonald. I'm a University of Miami graduate, longtime crime aficionado, and part of a fourth generation NYPD family. Laura and I don't always agree on everything. With her NYPD roots and my criminal defense background, sometimes we find ourselves on opposite sides of the jury. We do share a mutual passion for crime solving, and we both grew up in Cambridge, steps away from Harvard University. On Ivy League Murders, we discuss cases where the best of the best make the worst decisions. We look at people who seemingly have it all and throw it all away. Murder, murder. Okay, so this is a breaking news episode from Ivy League Murders. We're bringing you our coverage on the Alec Baldwin shootings yesterday afternoon on the New Mexico film set of Rust, a 19th century Western. 42-year-old cinematographer Helena Hutchins was shot and killed by a prop gun discharged by Baldwin yesterday afternoon. 48-year-old director Joel Souza was also injured and rushed to a nearby hospital. Susa was released about three hours ago from the hospital. Sarah, this is a crazy news story. I mean, there was a delay. This happened at about 1.50 p.m. in the afternoon. That was yesterday. Yesterday, but we didn't hear about it until last night, and we couldn't believe it when we heard it. I, I honestly thought it was fake news when I saw it. And I think what everybody is wondering is what happened and really where does the responsibility lie in this? I think this is a horrible accident that's occurred. So with us today is a fellow Harvardian and legal consultant, David Cole. Welcome, David, and thank you for being available on such short notice. No, thank you for calling up to talk about this most unusual set of circumstances. You mentioned responsibility, and there are gonna be two areas uh, where the law will look to impose responsibility here. One is the civil law, one is the criminal law. Civil law is about money damages, compensation for this loss of life and this injury. And there are a number of potential actors in the scene here who could potentially be liable in civil court, probably for a claim of negligence, the failure to use ordinary care in operating the place where they were doing the shooting and in particularly in the uh, appropriate supervision, appropriate maintenance on this handgun that appears to discharge by accident. Okay. And and we will we'll get more granular with you about sure. that. First of all, our hearts go out to Helena Hutchins and her family and friends. She was really a rising star in the film business. She had made huge strides in the very male-dominated area of cinematography. And she was only 42 years old. She had children. Tell us a little bit about Helena, Laura. Helena actually was from the Ukraine, but she was brought up in the Arctic Circle and on a, on a Soviet military base, Sarah. And she was a very educated woman. She actually had a graduate degree in journalism from the National University in the Ukraine. And then she moved to L.A. and she went to the AFI, which is the American Film Institute, and got a degree there. And she was very interested in lighting and expressionism and had worked on six films of note and was really actually up and coming. And this is kind of a big break for her, this film. She was actually noted as one of the eight cinematographers women to watch. 
And just this morning, I spoke to a very well-respected special effects person. They've worked on film for 30 years. They said to me that they found it very hard to believe that an accident like this could happen in 2021 with all the stringent regulations around guns on film sets. But that's in L.A. They found it curious that this happened in New Mexico. So, David, maybe you had drilled down a little bit on the law in New Mexico. Can you tell us what you found? Sure. I focused on the the criminal law uh, and looking at responsibility under New Mexico law. And like most states, New Mexico defines three different kinds of homicide. It defines murder, which is intentionally killing somebody, intentionally ending a human life. What I would call a reckless type of homicide, manslaughter, which is considered to be a little less heinous than murder, sort of intentionally plotting someone's death, manslaughter would be a grossly reckless acts. And then you have what other states call a negligent homicide. Here they call it involuntary manslaughter. And the language of their statute is a little arcane, but I think it communicates the idea. It's the commission of a lawful act which might produce death in an unlawful manner or without due caution and circumspection. Okay, so break it down right. to us lay people who... Right, so that's, that's, a, that's a sort of wordy way of saying without using appropriate care under the circumstances. That phrase, due caution and circumspection, is something that I think is unique to New Mexico. But the idea of conducting yourself in a reasonable way under the circumstances that surround you is something that New Mexico would have in common with every state there, both for criminal and civil liability. But let's just back up a little bit, because Alec Baldwin is the person who is holding this prop gun and firing this gun. To what I'm just wondering, if you believe that the gun that you are holding and firing is a prop gun, he's already spoken to the police, and presumably he's not going to get charged with anything. My question is this. In thinking about this scene, I think that the way this happened, the way I think this happened was that Baldwin was, it's one of these shots where you have the actor pointing the gun, which remember, this is a 19th century Western. I'm picturing, and I'm not sure what kind of gun it was, I'm picturing a Winchester. I'm picturing a a sort of age period appropriate gun that is being presumably aimed toward the cinematographer. And I think that I trust that Baldwin is a responsible enough person. He's not, you know, messing around on a set and and shooting off prop guns towards people. But in what I see is that he fires this thing off, which presumably if it's a prop gun, it's a blank. It's something that's going to create a bang. And the difference between a blank and a real bullet is a blank is simply gunpowder in its for effect, right? So this is conjecture, but this is my theory, is that they were doing a shot where Baldwin, the actor, was pointing the gun towards the camera, the cinematographer, fires, she falls, and he, you know, he freaks out, but is continuing to shoot and, you know, and, and hits the uh, the director. But that still doesn't, I mean, that still shows several protocols weren't followed because, uh, I mean, I've done some research and there should be no live ammunition on the set. And there should have also been a shield held up if he was pointing the gun towards any people. So my question to you, David, would be there would have been a prop master or a licensed, uh, somebody licensed um, in charge of the weapon on set 
So it seems to me that a lot of protocols weren't followed, that there is assumption on what may have happened. Sounds like that's probably right, but there never should have been any, you know, why there was live rounds in that gun is a Mm -hmm. whole separate issue and why shields weren't used, which is protocol now is another matter. But uh, as far as liability, it seems to me that the prop master or whoever was in charge, person in charge of those weapons, and now on set, it should only be one person. Wouldn't they have liability here on this accident? I think there's several potential people who could be liable for this. I think of it as kind of like a construction site where you have a general contractor who has overall responsibility for building the building, and they in turn hire subcontractors to do the plumbing, the electricity, so on. Here you have a production company that is in charge of producing a movie, and they in turn hire professionals to help with different technical aspects of what they're doing. Someone who knows how to operate cameras, somebody who knows about props and the safe way to handle them, so on and so forth. And so responsibility would lie here potentially with the prop person who is specifically engaged to try to avoid this kind of problem, and potentially for the production company as well that chose that person and maybe didn't give them good instruction, maybe didn't supply them with everything they needed, or perhaps by operation of law in New Mexico is simply liable for the act of someone who they brought in and entrusted this responsibility. So there's going to be some room to argue as to where that fault lies between those two entities. They may both end up being held responsible at the end of the day. In our research, we found in 1984, John Eric Hexum was killed by blanks. He was playing around with a prop gun and shot himself in the head. And Brandon Lee, I think everybody is aware that he died. Sarah is very familiar with that case. Yeah, what's interesting was I was actually working in props, in film, in Hollywood during the time that Brandon Lee was shot and killed. And my understanding of how the Lee accident happened was Someone just didn't check the chamber. And when you rotate a gun firing live ammunition and blanks, there was apparently like part of a projectile that was still in that gun that got fired. Even the, the explosion of the, of the blank was enough to kill Lee. I believe that's the way that the Lee accident happened. Now, I'll tell you something. Working in props at that time, it was so stringent. You had to check the barrel of the gun. You had to double check it. There was a whole protocol in place, but apparently it's even more stringent now. There's one licensed person who deals with the guns on a set and they have got to be licensed. And the special effects person I spoke to this morning said they do a background where they go back until you're 10 years old and they look at your background. Well, the Brandon Lee accident was a game changer. It changed all these protocols. But I also read that people are starting to think they really shouldn't even be using these type of weapons on sets anymore because with special effects now, you can add all this stuff in. I asked him about that. And I said, look, with all this stuff, with CGI, with all the amazing effects you have in movies, what are they doing using this anyway? And he said that you just cannot replace the same effect through special effects that you have when shooting Anyway, he said, I need to talk to a props dude, which is fine. He does special effects, but that you can't replace the sort of cinema verite of having an actual gun going off. So, David, what's the process now? The police are going to be investigating, questioning everyone, and we're seeing it really hushed up, not right. getting there'll a be, lot of information. There are a couple of different investigators that will be involved. The, obviously, law enforcement in New Mexico wants to understand what happened to see if there is a potential criminal case under the law we were talking about, their involuntary manslaughter statute in New Mexico. Also, the civil 
parties that are going to be interested in developing the facts are going to be the insurance companies for the production company and whoever was subcontracted to work on props because those insureds are going to make claims because they're going to be sued or have claims made against them by the people that were injured and the woman who passed away as a result of this. And they're going to want to make sure those facts are nailed down so that they can't be accused of losing any evidence if the case proceeds to civil court. So there are going to be a lot of highly motivated, sophisticated investigators are going to be all over this scene, the relevant documents and materials and the individuals for the next several days, I would think. And Laura, you did some research also into Baldwin had made some pretty inflammatory statements prior on social media regarding a accidental shooting. And he sort of threw it out there rhetorically to say, oh, how does it feel to accidentally shoot somebody? So it's ironic now. Well, I mean, I think that uh, many people are well aware that Alec Baldwin is frequently in the news for his temper and for mouthing off to different people. And this frequently has happened with law enforcement and in the past has tweeted out at law enforcement at times when they've been involved, at least one time I know involved in a shooting. He did tweet out uh, when there was a shooting with law enforcement involved with shooting uh, an unarmed person, which it turned out the shooting was deemed a good shooting. And he tweeted out, you know, something kind of flippant about, I wonder what it feels like to be involved in an accidental shooting. And this tweet is now coming back to haunt him. So I'm not placing any judgment on that. I'm throwing it out there. He's getting a lot of flack online for that. I think this is a complete horrendous accident. But it is interesting that Baldwin has been such a kind of a outspoken, a, outspoken, kind of somewhat a little bit controversial kind of figure in a way and, and a little bombastic. As a celebrity or as a person of influence, have an opinion on everything. I mean, you can't not expect when you're involved in something like this for people to have an opinion about it. And that's true. No, very, very true. And I'm really, literally, this is the kind of case, guys, where as we are talking to David, we are looking at our phones, checking for updates. I want them to talk to Joel Souza, who was the director who was injured. He got out this morning from the hospital. He's obviously going to know kind of what what happened. And I think it is the kind of thing that I always think with these things, if we can figure out how to make sure this does not happen again. And so we're just really curious about how this happened. And David, I know you're in the business of how the law plays into this, but I think it's sort of like, I want basically the accident scene of how this happened first. I think it's going to be hard to get. I think they're going to keep it very hush-hush. We're kind of hoping for some leaks, which I'm sure will come out from people on this set. But what do you think, David, as far as information coming out? Well, that's uh, the police will want to keep their work to themselves because they don't want you know witnesses to be influenced by information leaking out and so on and so forth. And the same is true of the civil investigators, insurance companies, and the people who work for them. They want to know what's going on, but litigation is obvious. It's coming. And so they want to try to keep their impressions of the scene privileged for as long as they can so they can develop a legal strategy without prying eyes getting in there and getting into their strategy before they're ready to present it to the public. So the people that will be investigating this are sophisticated, motivated. They're going to do good work, but they have strong reasons to want to keep it to themselves, certainly for the time being. Of course. Yeah, of course. And again, this is a breaking story. We will absolutely keep our listeners abreast of any new developments on this story. And we wanted to get it to you as quickly as possible. And here it is. And David, thank you so, so much. 
anybody has any thoughts or information, come to our Facebook page at Ivy League Murders on Facebook or Instagram or email us at Ivy League Murders at gmail.com and we'll continue covering this case as it happens. Yeah, this is a conversation, please, with our listeners. We really want your participation and your thoughts on this. And check out David's podcast. I don't think I'll be covering this one. I'm going to leave it for you guys. No, that's okay. But but, a a murder investigation here, and that's right up your alley. Absolutely. But we want to mention, too, that, David, you have your own podcast called The Coal Mine. It's very, very good. It really breaks down constitutional law in very digestible kind of segments, and it's fascinating. So follow that as well. Thank you very much, David. Appreciate you taking time out of what I know is a busy schedule because we, we see you. You're in a very serious office with a jacket on and a haircut. And my God, looking uh, very dapper and ready for court. Truly, that- truly you are a, a keen observer. You should be a private investigator. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. I thought yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, they really they have to give licenses <laughs> out if you do well on the test. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Thanks, thanks a million, David. David. Murder, murder, murder.